It's time to watch your favorite TV program. Hit record on your VHS player. Tune in your NES and join Alan Price and Chris Vint with their views as we deploy Operation Retroshock. Hello and welcome to another edition of Operation Retroshock. I am Alan Price and alongside me as always is... Chris Wayne. Chris Wayne? Yeah, as in Bruce Wayne. Huh? What? Why? <laughs> as in Batman? I know, but why? That doesn't make any sense to you. Well, it's better being like... Well, it could be Vento-Man or Vint-Man, but it's not as cool as Batman. Alright, that's okay. It's not as cool as Batman. Why do you have to be so unkind? You see what I did there? You see what I did? You see what I did there? Uh, what? Oh, you want me to introduce yeah, him? Yeah, please. Okay. I introduced him the last time. Okay, well, you may have heard, I think it was episode two, was it, Alan? Yes. That we had some guy on talking about Ghostbusters. And what was the other thing we talked about as well? I can't remember either. I can't remember it was that long ago. But welcome to Mr. Lawrence Case. Hello to you, Lawrence. Hello, hello. It's Lawrence Grayson. Lawrence Grayson, is it? Oh. Yes, 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 as in Dick. As in Dick. Well, don't call Lawrence that. That's not fair. Lawrence is a great man. You're mm. the, you're the, oh. yeah. I, but I believe we spoke about WrestleMania eight, and that's yes, what it was. Lawrence can remember. <laughs> yes, we've done. So, I'd like to say we've done so many shows, but uh, we really haven't. But anyway, see, people so, will be thinking it's a fix that I'm on here because I won the uh, Marcus Phoenix bowhead. Yep. It was all fair. All fair and above <laughs> board, and monetary values were exchanged. I mean, nothing was exchanged or anything, or, you know, um, anything. But um, Lawrence, obviously, as we said, was on episode two from Ministry Slam and the awesome, awesome band that is Voodoo Vegas. So, uh, Lawrence, we've waxed lyrical about Ghostbusters, now we're talking about Batman. So, uh, are you looking forward to having our first discussion to do with the 1989 film, yes. which was Batman? Good, it's good. Good. Okay. So uh, we'll just crack on with the first Batman, so we will. And um, I'll send this over to you, Lawrence, because this is this one. This is whenever little price was little itty bitty <laughs> baby. So released seven days um, before Mr. Price came into the earth. Um, <laughs> did Alan maybe watch it whenever he was a fortnight old? Who knows? But, um, Lawrence, what do you remember about the first time you watched this film? The first time I watched this film, I think I watched it on, like, videotape, actually, the first time, because I was only six when it came out, so I don't think I saw it at the cinema. So, yeah, it was on videotape, I watched it the first time it came out. And I, I remember when it was coming out, like, there was a big thing on, remember News Rounds on the BBC? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> John Craven. <laughs> I remember, that, like, I just remember, because I got back from school, it was a big thing about the new Batman film. I think it was like, made of 15, it was one of the first 15 films, or mm-hmm. first 12 rating films. I remember that when it first came out. Definitely strong thoughts on that, but yeah, I definitely saw it on video for the first time. Yeah, I think I was probably the same. I don't think I was. I wasn't old enough to go to the cinema to see it. Obviously, Alan, you you weren't either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, one thing about as Lawrence says about it being a fifteen re- uh, fifteen rated uh, movie, the one thing that makes me laugh is the Karate Kid is a fifteen rated movie, <laughs> which really? I don't yeah, which I don't understand. But I think I remember watching this um, with my dad. And I don't think we had the video, I think we saw it on TV, and him and I sat and watched it and just uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, and some of the certain things that we'll obviously discuss here. But Alan, obviously you were a... Uh, it'll, it'll be the baby, but um, 
what do you remember about the very first time you saw it? Well, um, obviously... Which was yesterday, obviously. No. Around <laughs> <laughs> um, your friend's house. <laughs> <laughs> yay, Lawrence, yay! This man knows it all too well. This he does. Well. Um, this, for me, I actually saw this out of sequence. I saw Batman Returns first, so mm-hmm. I did. Um, so, even though I saw this when I was young, my initial idea was, why does Bruce Wayne look different? <laughs> uh, I didn't realize that there could be such a different actor for the same character, but mm-hmm. uh, it was one of those ones that uh, I was really big into Batman when I was a kid, you know, watched the animated series and all that sort of stuff, so when I eventually got the chance to watch the VHS, I jumped at it with open arms. VHS. <laughs> so weird, isn't that? So, Lawrence, um, did you like the way the character of Batman was, in inverted commas, born in this film? Yeah, it's very good, very good. But, I mean, we didn't really see him becoming Batman, did we? He was just there at the start. But, I mean, it was very good. And, obviously, the whole thing of the um, of the opera, how opera with his parents, that was really good. It was mm-hmm. just generally... Great film, great Batman. Michael Keane was a very good Batman, I thought. Yes, I would totally agree with you there. First, um, shot, of him, first shot of him with the, um, the criminals who were attacking him. One was Christopher Fairbank from Our Vegas Empath. There you go. Really? Yeah, there's a little bit of trivia for you. It's the one who goes like, "Who are you?" and he goes like, "I'm Batman." Yeah, That's good. Christopher Fairbanks. So, yes, obviously, it's nice to see the way he actually comes into the film, and then see more about the Bruce Wayne persona and that kind of thing, and seeing the mansion and just everything. It's kind of like the way. Like, I've never been a big comic book reader, but I would imagine if people who read comic books, this was kind of yeah their heaven, so to speak, because it stayed very true to the comic books and all that. Well, kind of well especially after what we got with the uh, Adam West, the last live action at Batman, was Adam West Batman. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, and then he went on to be the mayor of Quahog. Yes. yes. <laughs> For me, um, the way you were saying about obviously the whole comic book and getting a chance to see it there, you know, on the big screen and the like, it was kind of like for us in recent years uh, when Transformers came out. Mm-hmm. You got to see Transformers in a more real life and big screen experience. So for the chance to see the likes of Wayne Manor, the Batcave, and even the Batmobile in a proper real life situation mm-hmm. was outstanding. Okay. It's very, it's very inspired by the Dark Knight Returns, wasn't it? The uh, Frankie Miller, uh, yeah. uh, graphic novel. So it was very obviously all the bat- that was a very, very dark Batman, uh, Batman graphic novel at the time. And um, this uh, Tim Burton was very inspired by that for this film, wasn't he? Exactly. Tim Burton is the absolute god of darky films. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So in my opinion, this is true. Jack Nicholson. Would he be the best Batman villain portrayal ever, Lawrence? Mm, I can't decide, mate. I, I can't <laughs> decide on this. There's, uh, obviously, we're going to get onto the other field films, but uh, I don't know. Yes, 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 he is. But he just played Jack Nicholson. He's, he, he just played Jack Nicholson plays Jack Nicholson in every <laughs> film. So he was just Jack Nicholson being the Joker, which is very cool because Jack Nicholson is very cool. But. Um, yeah, Jack Nicholson plays Jack Nicholson. I think he was the best best villain portrayal ever, though. I don't know. Not sure, dudes. What do you think? For me, I would say he would be in the top two for sure. I'd, I'm a bit like yourself. I would be torn as who to say is number one. Between him and Arnie. <laughs> Between him and Arnie. Yes, absolutely. Between <laughs> him and Arnie. Um, well, I, I, I think, I think um, it's him or Heath Ledger, isn't it, really? Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's between yeah. those two. Uh, funny that it's between two Jokers and not, you know, anybody else. But uh, 
you're like like you said, Lawrence. It's Jack Nicholson only turned up to eleven, in my opinion. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a great performance, and it's one that you never get tired of watching. You know, like yeah. it's just the effort that he puts into it. You know, and obviously not taken away from Michael Keaton being a very good Batman. But it's just you had a very good Batman, you had a very good villain as well. Whereas in some of the episodes, or some of the um, films, sorry, you may have had a good Batman, but not a very good villain, or good villains and re- not a very good Batman, and that kind of thing. But um, So Alan, would you have liked to see, speaking of Jack Nicholson and Joker, would you have liked to see the Joker born in a different way, or were you happy that it stuck to the comic book roots? No, I'm happy it stuck to the comic book roots, because... Uh, Obviously, it was the first uh, major Batman movie in such a long time that uh, it would, was there to keep fans happy, you know, so stick to the story of how Joker actually came about. But uh, I think it's just class with the way you know he falls in the whole the big tank, and then you just see him in the sea or the lake or the river or something like that after, and you just see his hand coming out of the water. Yeah, and I just fabulous. Okay, Lawrence. I agree with Alan. It's a great, great way of him him coming, uh, being born. It was great. I really loved it. You know, mm. especially the way how he just dropped and like, "Who are you?" And Batman drops him down. It was great. Loved it. <laughs> and obviously the pit with the mirror and like the mirror, yeah. and then you just see him looking at it and then just laughing. And obviously it reminds me of the Simpsons whenever Lisa's getting her braces in and it's like a big headgear and she goes <laughs> the mirror. And then you just hear her laughing as well, but it it was just um it was great to see how it was, and then Alan, as you say, like the hand just you know eventually going down, and then just seeing him stumbling around, and it's the best he could do. Um, but Lawrence, um, again focusing on the Joker, even though it's Batman, um, did you like how twisted the Joker was performing his crimes? You know, making it so people couldn't use products such as soap, etc. Otherwise, would die laughing, very much like the. Hyenas and you from Roger Abbott. No, it's very, very good, dude. It's very good. I liked it because it's like ironic, isn't it? Obviously, because the Joker's all messed up, looking. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought he looked quite cool, but obviously, he thought he looked bad as the Joker, and he makes it so people can't make themselves up, so everyone else has to look bad. Very clever, very clever way of uh, ruining people's lives and killing people too. Yeah. And especially in the eight in an eighties film as well, you know, that yeah. was a big thing, wasn't it? You know, yeah. makeup and big hair and all that. So it was very good how they sort of sorted that out, and the great, great storyline there. I think it's cool that the fact of uh, it's again, obviously, we'll get on to the likes of Dark Knight, but that the Joker uses just normal, normal things. He doesn't, you know, use big fancy things. He goes out, and it's like you can't use soap, you can't use makeup or anything like that, or you will cough it. And that's just. It shows you the whole level of how Joker is so twisted. Well, between that and then at the end, where he has the balloons, mm-hmm. yeah, and then that's, they that's have the. Very fancy those massive balloons. Yeah, and they could like he stole my balloons. Yeah, I just always crease at that. But yeah, th- just um, that there. Obviously, I remember that from the computer game. I think it was on the Commodore 64 where you had to go through and you had to actually catch the balloons in the plane, which I thought was awesome. But uh, Alan, obviously, well, in case this is a spoiler alert, that the Joker killed Bruce Wayne's parents. Oh, what? Yeah, sorry about that. Um, did you enjoy this plotline and how it made Batman go after Joker? Oh, this was absolutely amazing. I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, oh my lord. Um, because it just opens up the story to a whole new different level. Because mm-hmm. obviously you were, you know, identified with Bruce and was like, oh, his parents, you know, they got killed, you know, the night at the opera and all that sort of stuff. But then to see that it was in fact the Joker 
that brought the pain and you know basically brought about the eventual start of Batman it's mm-hmm. the, you know himself the you know thoughts in Bruce Wayne's mind and the like but uh, it's the whole it wasn't much finding Joker out but it's the hearing of his line yeah he says what is it exactly it's something yeah the dance of the devil in yeah. pale moonlight yeah that's he knows <laughs> it that's the one he's done his research you obviously haven't how? I'm not a good one for quotes <laughs> well that's true um, Lawrence yeah, great, man. It's great. And you didn't know it until halfway through. Although you probably could kind of guess it. But um, it's very good. And uh, when it was, when I think, weren't Bruce and Vicky on a date? Or Bruce went around Vicky Bell's house and then he was going to shoot him. And he said, yeah, let me ask you something. Did you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? He shot him. And oh, yeah, yeah. Bruce went there in front of the fireplace. Yeah. 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 And he had the, he had the, uh, the trade in his serving tray underneath his clothes and got shot. That's when yeah. he realised that it was the Joker. That was the uh, Joker killed his parents. It was awesome. Loved it. Okay, um, Lawrence as well. The revealing of the Batman signal uh, comes at the end of the film. For you, did this make the film even more iconic? Well, definitely, man. And it made it obviously look like they're going to make more films with the Batman signal being put up in the sky. The film, the film is iconic anyway. Just from yeah. the, the, the film poster, that bat sign is iconic. It's an iconic thing, much like the Superman S. It's just two iconic signs and. But in the bat signal, in the end of that film, does make it much more iconic. Yes, oh. it's one of those mark out moments that you see the bat signal because who as a kid wouldn't have wanted to, you know, look out their window and see like the bat logo in the sky? I would have like, preferred to see a Thundercat symbol. Well, that's your personal choice. This is my <laughs> yeah. personal choice. So, okay. but that's my opinion. Or a Robin sign. Uh, no. No, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, I'll probably just listen to that. Um, so, in 1989, the film cost 48 million to make and went on to make 411 million. Lawrence, for you, does this put other films made this decade to shame? You know, we've had certain classic flops, say, as Waterworld, and I think Scott Pilgrim vs. World hasn't um, achieved what it actually made. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Was that 411 million at the box office? Yeah, for 1989, I guess really? 48 million Jews. That's amazing, especially back in those days as well, when cinema prices were that, that were like cinema ticket prices were much cheaper then. But as well, yeah, that's, it does put films to shame this this decade, doesn't it? Especially, and the storyline is so good. And then you look at a horrible film like Transformers: Revenge of the Decepticons or whatever it's called. It's Oi! Oh, you watch it. You watch yourself. Kiss. It's just running in front of CGI stuff, and there's no CGI in that film. It's it's amazing that film. Love it. You know, it does, it does put films to shame this decade. Yeah. It definitely does. You don't you don't get no story. I mean, that's why The Dark Knight was so good. It's all story driven, as well. But then with the amazing special effect, well, with this like explosions and things. But we're going to get to that later on, aren't we? Yes. Okay. Um, four hundred and eleven million for nineteen eighty nine really does just show how good a film it was. be interesting to see what that would translate to in this day. Nowadays, yeah, yeah. I would say, I could say, uh, it would probably be, I think Dark Knight made something about just over one billion dollars, mm-hmm. so I think if you put it, you know, from 1989 to now, it probably wouldn't be too far off getting close to the billion pound, you know, billion dollar mark even, mm-hmm. sort of thing. But 411 million is so much money. For, 19, for 1989, like, yeah. it is so yeah. scary, because... It was Titanic made near the one billion mark for '97, so for 411 million in 1989, it actually just blows your mind. And considering there's such a small budget it's made on, because they're saying like you can't even make 
a film nowadays for anything less than 50 million so for to produce yeah. a Batman movie for this price especially some people like Jack Nicholson and Keith Kim Basinger and Michael Keaton who just come off the back of Beetlejuice you know, and they were exactly. big stars back then well Jack Nicholson was always a big star but obviously Michael Keaton was huge back then as well wasn't he mm-hmm. yeah because you know that's the thing is what me the likes of if you were to have say a Tom Cruise in a Mission Impossible nowadays he'd probably be getting 100 125 or Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones. Yeah. I'd be scared to see what he got from it, you know. But okay, um, Alan, um, we're obviously going to rank these very much. Uh, not like we did with the Star Wars ones. That but, was confusing um, on the Star Wars ones. I thought you were doing it in order at the start. We w- we were originally we, we were, were meant to, and then I think the guys didn't understand it, and I kind of went by the wayside. So it's because they're from America. <gasps> oh, <laughs> Lawrence said that, not us, not us. Uh, so Alan, if number one is your favourite and six the worst, i.e. Batman and Robin, uh, and you can only use this number once. Ah no. Where would you rank this? I never. I haven't even put much thought into this. I have. Um, I'm probably going to go three. Three? Okay. Lawrence. Tough one, dudes. Tough one. Um, oh, I don't know. I'm going to go for three as well. I'm going to go for one. One. Yep. Why? Because this is my favorite Batman movie. Oh. <laughs> kind of speaks for itself. Um, but I've always enjoyed this film. It's. I enjoy this film and three of the other Batman f- films which I'll not t- say what um, but this is like my num- number uno one um, so that I've got the best one out of the road it's kind of a case of where did the other ones rank um, yes so uh, join us after the break whenever we'll be discussing Batman as he returns you're listening to a podcast on popculturenetwork.com Be sure to head on over to the site at www.popculturenetwork.com to check out more podcasts and videos featuring toys, comic books, video games, and all the things you love. And while you're there, be sure to check out the Pop Culture Network store, where everything you purchase helps to keep us producing. Just head over to popculturenetwork.com and click on Store. From the sewers of Gotham, a new villain emerges. You didn't invite me, so I crashed! From the rooftops of Gotham, the perfect enemy comes to life. who can save this city is a creature of the night. Hey, stud. I thought we had something together. We do. While she craves a romance, she can sink her claws into... You're catnip to a girl. He plots a foul reign of destruction. My dear penguins! 
Thanks to Batman, the time has come to punish all of Gotham! And welcome back from the break. It's time for Batman to return to our cinema screens. Um, again, Tim Burton directed, so thumbs up for Tim. Because uh, Batman in the early years really needed to be dark and get everybody's interest. Um, I think they just turned the contrast down on it. Yeah, but dude, this film was super dark. <laughs> this was super dark, yes, it was indeed. So we'll jump right into it. Um, or points right in. Points right into yeah. it. It was 1992. Obviously, uh, it, as we went and we researched a bit, and it seems like this is Tim Burton's only, you know, proper sequel. Yeah. Um, as a director, um, do we think, uh, Chris, that he got it right second time round? Okay. This has never been one of my favorite Batman films. I will go on record as saying that. Um, I've never, I, I enjoy, uh, you know, like, I enjoy the characters, you know, like Catwoman and Penguin, um, but for me, as Lauren said, you know, it's super dark, and I think I watched this whenever, when did it come out, sorry? 92. 92, so I would have been, I would have been, what, 14, thereabouts, 14, 15, but for some reason, whenever I watched it, it just didn't strike a chord with me as much as the first one mm-hmm. did. I think it was maybe I was expecting the high level of, um, um, you know, like Nicholson. You know, like Nicholson was the mecca of uh, um, Batman Barry. Yes. And for me, I enjoyed Penguin and Catwoman, but for me, they just didn't do it. I think, you know, a lot of people like yourself may, or Lawrence may disagree with me, but for me, um, I don't think he got it right this time, and that's maybe why he didn't do was involved in the third one but wasn't directing it well what did you think Lawrence I feel he did get it right I love this film but um, I know the studio didn't think he got it right because they um, obviously thought it was far too dark and it scared a lot of kids off and uh, McDonald's even cancelled a Happy Meal tie and they had with it for this film because parents all complained (laughs) about how dark this film was but I loved I loved this film I loved the look of it I loved I loved everything. I just I think this film's a great, great Batman film, and I think it's more of when you watched it when you were a kid, you can't appreciate, especially and also the first Batman, you can't yeah. appreciate it as a Batman film. But then obviously you watch it now or older, you can appreciate them a lot more because you know the adult themes that are in these movies, and possibly for the next two films, maybe you might have enjoyed them more when you were kids, but now you could possibly really dislike them. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I, I really, I really love this film. So I think he did get it right with this film, especially the dark, dark themes about it and everything. I love it. Yes, I have to agree with Lawrence. I absolutely think this film did really well in capturing just the next stage of where you could go with Batman. As Chris sticks his tongue out at me, <laughs> uh, um, I loved the whole idea of Penguin coming into it and seeing how Penguin began. That he was the abandoned child, and then he was taken in at the zoo. I thought the whole idea of a penguin army uh-huh. was crazy and basically them going to blow themselves up and all a bit dodgy. That was a wee bit fetched. It was, yes. With like you know, microchips and all on their head or something to control them and all. 
But uh, as a story, I think Tim Burton really headed out the ballpark with this. Um, secondly, uh, obviously we see the appearance of Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, meow, uh, and Danny <laughs> and Danny DeVito as the Penguin. Um, Lawrence, would we have cast these char- these people as these characters, or would have you changed up and cast anybody else? Mm, I don't think you think think of anyone else as for the Penguin, Danny DeVito, but so like back in, in the early nineties, hot looking women. I don't know. Michelle Pfeiffer is probably the perfect one as well. No, it could have been either way. You could have had Kim Basinger playing, you know, Catwoman maybe, if she wasn't in the first one. But yeah. I can't. I can't really think of anyone actually. Really, to be yeah. honest, definitely not Halle Berry. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, <laughs> perfect. She was brilliant as Selena Kyle as well. Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle. Yeah. Pfeiffer. She really, she really brought, uh, in my opinion, the whole twistedness of you know Catwoman and the like, but. Um, it's Danny DeVito was the one that really stood out to me and that uh, for the time period especially he was a really good choice for Penguin mm-hmm. because obviously they wanted to display Penguin as this really kind of not mutated but you know individual that would look like you know nearly like a penguin he would hobble like a you know and he's not obviously that tall so he could be in comparison to the height of a penguin and the like and uh, the way they did the makeup and all, the, his nose and his teeth and his hands, really brought, you know, well, not only his performance, but the character just together as a whole. What about you, Chris? As Lauren said, I can't really think of many hot women from back then, you know. Um, Pamela Anderson. <laughs> no, she wouldn't have got in that shit, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, this film would have been an 18. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I would have, uh, for some reason, I don't know why, I would have liked to see John Goodman as a penguin. I don't know why. But random? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I just think. I, I'm a John Goodman fan. Like. Yeah. But uh, I was just trying to think of somebody of, you know, like Danny Deville, DeVito's build. Obviously, I know John Goodman's a bit taller than him, but obviously, you can't get somebody. Danny DeVito is, you know, short, you know, so we can't really get somebody of that same stature or whatever, because if you do, then you have to go somebody even smaller, and it kind of takes away from the character, so... Could have got his brother Arnie. That's true, that's true. Oh, <laughs> uh, is that a junior joke? It's twins, isn't it? Is it yeah. twins and junior? No, it's both Yeah, he's in... No, they were brothers yeah. and twins, weren't they? Ugh, <laughs> uh, awful joke, man. <laughs> Really, really bad. Funny thing is with this film, though, is like it's not really a Batman film. It is, but it's more about the Penguin, really. I preferred Bur- Burgess Meredith or whatever he's called. The guy who played Mick from Rocky oh. as the original <laughs> Penguin. I he thought was he good. was good. Yeah, yeah. he's good. Should have cast him. There you go. Should have cast Burgess. <laughs> anyway, um, did we like the way we went from Joker to picking up a Penguin as you wrote, Chris? <laughs> no, it was a. Getting up a penguin. Okay, what are your opinions, Chris? <laughs> it sounds like I'm trashing this film. It really mean. is. You're really being really very depressing here. <laughs> I, I just love the Joker. So, to go from the Joker, he was just a real, like, real kind of, real big maniac, you know, and he's been disfigured, and obviously the penguin's been disfigured, but I thought that the Joker was doing more to try and overtake Gotham and being more cunning in his ways than the penguin was but I enjoyed the Joker's betrayal more that's for the next question what oh is it yes what about you Lawrence 
I think the Penguin was great. I don't think he was really trying to... Obviously, he was trying to run for Mary. He wasn't so much take, trying to take over the city, was he? It was more like Max Shrek was trying to guide him to become mayor and take over the city. He just had it in for, he had it in for Batman, really, didn't he? Because I think he fancied Catwoman. And that's the, yeah. that's the reason why he didn't like Batman. So, exactly. I don't uh, think he, had, he didn't have as, ma- as many villainous ideas, really. Mm-hmm. He just... I don't know, but it's just a crazy deformed dude who lived in a sewer, wasn't he? he? Wasn't the Joker just wanted to take o- Joker did want to take over the city and make everyone pay? I think the Penguin didn't want to make everyone pay until further on into the film when you got made to look like an idiot by Batman. <laughs> Turtles were better as they lived in sewers. Turtles were better. <laughs> Lawrence, uh, what did you think about the whole way Catwoman came about? The whole getting revived by alley cats, etc. So this is one thing I love when Christopher Walken's got her up against the window. Yeah. And then he uh, says he's going to push it. He pretends to push her and then does push her through the window. I'm sure that must have been Walken doing his like ad libbing, ad libbing that part because that's awesome that bit. And uh, we haven't mentioned much about Christopher Walken. He was awesome in this film. To be honest, I actually forgot he was in this film. Did you? Yeah. Actually, for some reason, Christopher Walken for me is like a. Um, sometimes I forget his thing and things like it was the other day I forgot he was in a James Bond film don't ask yeah. me the title of it cause I he doesn't age what. either no he always looks the same so yeah. he does well that's yeah. the sign of a very good actor in my opinion he's you know he's always seems to be like the dark horse in a movie mm-hmm. but he's yeah. awesome I mean he's the one who guides the penguin to doing all the, the bad stuff really I mean the penguin just wants to find his parents doesn't he he does mm-hmm. do bad stuff to find his parents but then walk in makes him become makes him run for mayor and the, the penguin's just a crazy dude. But then again, you see, Walken says to the penguin, that's your weapon of choice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, Slim reference, yes. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> yes. Well done. <laughs> I actually loved that song when it came out. I loved the video. The video was awesome. It was good. It was good. Um, obviously, um, we were going to touch on about uh, a comparison of Joker... Sorry, did I not get asked that question? Did I forget about you? Sorry. <laughs> you forgot about me. Oh, you forgot about, about you. We started, but I, I sort of say that I did like the way how she was revived by... It was a bit funny getting revived by cats, wasn't it, really? <laughs> yeah. Everybody likes cats. <laughs> it was a bit weird, just the whole that it's a case of you can be brought back to life by cats licking you. And it's just like... Better than that than dogs, in all honesty. Imagine six, six, six to one. <laughs> Dog woman. It's great how she um, goes back to her flat and does the same thing she did when she went there the first time honey I'm home and then mm-hmm. uh, and she's all crazy doesn't she rip tears her flat apart and makes that quite nice suit yeah. <laughs> out, of a, out of a coat isn't it out of a PVC coat I think she something like that. that yeah pretty big coat to make an entire body suit out of yeah really? it's, it's a pretty ingenious way to you know develop a character you know, like obviously you have say Sandman and Spider-Man. You know, like he's in that thing, and he gets like kind of all the molecules go, and then he gets melted into the sand and all that stuff. But it, it's an interesting way to develop a character and give the character an origin. But um, it's it's very good the way that the way they did it. I did enjoy that. And she comes back as well, back up to Walkins' office when she meets. Is that when she meets Batman the first? No, meets Bruce Wayne the first time, doesn't she? Yeah, she meets Bruce Wayne. Wayne. She meets Bruce Wayne after she's been revived by the cats. She meets Batman and Penguin, and then there's like an explosion going on or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, she she meets uh, Selena. Selena Kyle meets Batman when all the Penguin's goons are uh, are trying to cause havoc in the city, and uh, and then she she steals that electric thing, doesn't she? When Batman saves her. Yes. 
yes, exactly. And then they, uh, and then a bit later on, then she comes back. There comes Walken thinks he's killed her. Because yeah. Have you been on holiday? And then uh, they're up in the background. I meet Walken. Doesn't she say something about you know uh, explain like the cutting her head or something like she was away skiing or something and fell. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's just the whole look on Walken's face during that is just a bit of a. Oh dear, I'm kind of rumbled here. <laughs> you know, does yeah, she Batman remember? Does Bruce she not? Wayne falls in love with her. Oh, likes her, doesn't he? Batman falls in love with anything. because right, if Batman like something happens to her and she goes like hold me and then she like digs her, her claws in the side and then like he gets in touch with Alfred and says bring me down some antiseptic stuff or whatever and pulls out one of her claws from his side. Yeah, exactly. I got to say like Michael Keaton is that always plays a psycho. Tends to he plays a really good psycho type person. He was a good psycho Batman, I think. He was he was dark, especially in this film. He was really dark. Yeah. And, and then you know he went well. It's uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's dark, Selena Kyle. Yeah, I, they they made a good couple, much better than Vicky Vale in the first film. I thought. Yeah. Definitely. Much better than much better than the next one, the Cole Kidman. Oh, although <laughs> Cole Kidman is a hottie. It's a, yeah, it's harder, yeah, but just no. You don't need to be in a Batman film, love. Yeah, I think I, think I definitely that was Batman Kilmer in that. We're going to get onto that a bit later, aren't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, anyway, crazy Selena Kyle. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, obviously, uh, we've kind of slightly touched on this with the fact of uh, mentioning Walken and the Penguin, but uh, what way do we think? Uh, was the better plan to try and get a hold over Gotham um, Joker's ways or Penguin and obviously uh, isn't it was it Max or something is Max his first Shrek. name Max Shrek um, what way do you think is the best way to go about taking Gotham the appearance of being normal going for mayor or the obviously uh, crazy wacky ways of Joker and <laughs> <laughs> to me I think I think it's definitely Penguin's way because he went for the sympathy vote didn't he he uh, arose and sort of saved the mayor's kid. Wasn't it the mayor's kid? Yeah, it was. Uh, they were at like the press conference because it was like we have uh, Lando Calrissian. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. He's, in, he's, in, he's not. He's not. He's not in this one, Lando. No, he's in, that was he's the first, first one. Sorry, yeah, sorry, I got mixed up. There was the mayor was there, and his wife was there with his kid. And was it like the red clown or something comes along? Clown steals him, and then the penguin comes up through the sewer, doesn't he? Yeah, as the clown goes down the sewer and you hear him go, Oh my goodness, it's the ugly, evil penguin, man, and all that sort of stuff. And then penguin rises up from out of the sewer. Yeah, yeah. Then he got one walking, guided him to run for mayor. Which is good, I think that's the better way. What do you think? What about you, Chris? I think you go the Joker way. Because it's more insane and you have more fun. <laughs> Whereas being the penguin, you have to be very smart. And you have to choose your words and choose your approach very carefully. Whereas with a Joker, it's all out fun. You let your you let your guns go. You let your guys go in and cause havoc. And if you win, you win. If you don't, you die trying. Well, touching on what you just said there, having to be very careful and clever. If it wasn't for uh, Walken's character guiding Penguin, the Penguin's plan and Max's plan wouldn't have worked because you see the likes of when they're in the campaign office and penguins come down the stairs to see his campaign team 
and he's you know being nice and Walken's tamping him down with the fish and all that sort <laughs> of stuff and he's talking to his team and the guys you know they're having a laugh and uh, then uh, Danny DeVito's penguin he bites the nose of the guy <laughs> so you know he loses his temper and he loses his calm really could have just been right? Vinnie Jones for all you know <laughs> that was very Tim Burton though, wasn't it it was very dark oh yeah oh yeah and the blood squirting mm. everywhere but uh it's that sort of thing is Penguin needed somebody to guide him whereas Joker was his own man mm-hmm. and that Joker was the brain whereas Penguin because he'd been out of touch for so long and he didn't know the way things worked had to be guided but you were saying about you know Joker letting his minions go out and all that sort of stuff Penguin did as well in the long run because there's the bit where Penguin goes into like his wee campaign trailer or something <laughs> like that and he gets in like the arcade machine of the Batmobile Mm-hmm. and they've attached like a wee radio control to the Batmobile and he's driving the Batmobile around being mad and then all his goons are going crazy to obviously make it appear that uh, there's unrest and that he can make a difference as the mayor um, let's see what uh, do we think the on-air chemistry was like between the three, ma- three main characters Lawrence? well we've already touched on the chemistry between Keaton and uh Michelle Pfeiffer. I you were going to say, we've already touched on Pfeiffer. I was going to go, yeah. already touched on Pfeiffer. No, the <laughs> chemistry between those two was great, definitely. Um, between between all three of them, it was really good. And, and Shrek as well, Walken, um, definitely was awesome in, in that film as well. The, the chemistry between all three of them was great. Um, when Walken when Walken becomes uh, like the main guy at the end last scene when Walken's there with all four of them as well with the other three is great I, I, I think Walken is one of the shining points of this film really I, I love him in this film Chris yeah I think um, to have a successful film you need to have people who bounce off one another like we'll touch on in the next film um, for me they all did their parts really well and obviously you see you know the Batman Catwoman interaction is probably better than the Batman Penguin ones because obviously you have the sexual chemistry there you know like you have Batman you have Catwoman you know and that's why that's why it works so well is because they, they are sparking off each other so I just think um, I just think it worked really well and as Lawrence says you know like Walken's also a very integral part in this one very much the same way as I thought that um uh, Billy D. Williams, was, even though he's a bit part in the first Batman, I thought he was very good in it too. So you always have your um, your main cast, but then you have somebody kind of lurking in the background, you know, like who just really steps up and really does a bang up job. Walking was like the, was like the cement that binded the three together. I found. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, for me, um, you mentioned obviously the whole chemistry between Batman and Catwoman. I love the scene where Catwoman is up in above the campaign office where uh, Penguin's goons are, and Penguin walks up and sees her there lying on the bed. And I just think the way Pfeiffer paces her words and he. Oh, so whenever he see, she sees the bird she in the, the bird, cage, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. And just the way they interact in that scene, Penguin's trying to be all, you know, make sexual advances towards her, and uh, obviously she's having none of it. Um, but just two strong characters and two uh, strong actors in what I think is a fantastic scene. But you can't forget, as we mentioned earlier, the scene where you first see them all together, and uh, obviously the explosion, and she takes off, 
and I just love the line from DeVito it's like I saw her first <laughs> yeah. and he just shoots off in his flying umbrella which I would love I'd love that that would be class I got the wrong umbrella a la robot chicken okie dokie um Obviously, Penguin's true colours are eventually revealed by Bruce Wayne he, uh, using the Batcave's computers to uh, interrupt uh, Penguin as he makes a campaign speech. Lawrence, do you think this set up for a good finale? He was mixing the CDs. It was good. Him and Alfred were doing it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. It was, good to know. it was a good finale. I liked it. It was um, just, it just all in the sewer, wasn't it? He got, he got on the bat boat, like a bat boat, didn't he? He went through the sewer. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, that was that was a good finale, and yeah, I think it was good when Walken found out that Bruce Wayne was Batman. Didn't believe it, and then Walken says, "Bruce, why are you dressed up like Batman?" And Catwoman says, "Because he is Batman." So that was good. No, it's good. No, notice at the end though when uh, Michael Keaton's got his his mask on, and just before he takes it off, he has the black around his eyes to hide his eyes, and then just yeah. before he takes it off, the the makeup on his black and his eyes is gone. Yeah. It's all white. It, that's that's a really bad bit. I can't believe they left that in there. They couldn't do something to hide that. Have you never seen the um, editing for the first trailer, the first Batman trailer? No. Look up on YouTube, Batman official trailer. It is horrendous. You could do better in Windows Movie Maker nowadays. It is absolutely her- uh, terrific looking, so it is. <laughs> um, speaking of just after um, the campaign speech, obviously Lawrence went about the bad boat and going into the sewers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the kind of one wee bit we missed out in that was which I think is a class bit that pushes us on to the finale is where um, Bruce and Selena Kyle go to like the dance or the event oh, yeah. or something like that and uh, they talk about you know mistletoe being deadly and all and then the yeah. sudden realisation that she's Catwoman he's Batman and then obviously Max is involved in that as well because wasn't his son kidnapped Mm-hmm. His son no, 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 the Penguin was going to take him. And yes, Max sorry, said, yes. No, no, take me instead. That was great. I, I wish in the film that you got to see them interact more, knowing that they were, as Bruce Wayne and Selina, knowing that they were yeah, uh, Catwoman and Batman. That would have been great. But obviously there, there was a big explosion, wasn't there? So you didn't get to see that, that as much. Bit but, of an electrocution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, because it was, it was really short, because I think maybe at the end there's only about maybe a minute or two at most of them on screen together I think a minute's probably about right you know two would be pushing it because Batman takes off and then she's left with uh, Max and there's the whole um, obviously they hinted throughout the entire movie about the whole cat having a nine lives yeah because she falls in the cat litter she falls off the building and then uh, obviously uh, Max is shooting her he keeps shooting her and shooting her, and she says, "You know, I have plenty more lives and all that sort of stuff." And then, obviously, have infinite continues. <laughs> <laughs> infinite continues. Um, but uh, I thought it was a fantastic wee finale, and the whole, uh, the whole. I think the bit where you see Penguin and he just falls mm-hmm. on the ground, and oh. the blood haven't come from his mouth and all. Yeah, that was another typical Burton for me. Yeah. Dark, dark, wasn't it? So dark this film. I, one thing I love about this film, one reason why I like it so much, mm-hmm. is it's set at Christmas time. <laughs> I like Christmas films. So, in theory, this is a Christmas film. That's true, that's true. Very much like Die Hard. Well, Die Hard is the best Christmas film ever made. <laughs> well, we're going to do some Christmas specials, so that maybe that'll. Funny thing was, this was released in June. It was all set in Christmas time. <laughs> Another brilliant idea from Tim Burton. 
Um, anyway, uh, we shall do this again. Lawrence, what would be your ranking for this film? Two. Chris? Five. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just... I don't really remember this as well as I should. And there's another film... There is another film that's going to rank lower than it that I haven't even watched all of due to how terrible it is and that's Batman the Dark Knight I mean carry on <laughs> okie dokie um, for me uh, once again I agree with Lawrence I'm reading this film at number two, two. We're, we're both the same at the moment this is going to be interesting to see how this progresses I wonder what I think you two have been exchanging emails so you have <laughs> or is that, I'm just left you should give us a prize, Chris, if we if we get it perfectly uh, in sync. What do you mean, me? I have to give you a prize, <laughs> <laughs> or from my own pocket, right? Well, we'll see how well we go then. Um, but you see, I'm going to have to drink it up and then go right, Alan. What's yours? And then Lawrence, what's yours? Or just I like, I get you to type. I'm going to get you to write yours down. So before Lawrence says his, <laughs> in fact, you have written yours down. Let me see what the next one is, so I know. I haven't done the next one. I scribbled it out. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. Okay, well, join us after the break whenever Batman will be forever. Or just Batman forever. So, join us after the break. Hi, my name is James Etook, and you're listening to Operation Retro Shock, which covers all things retro, much like Serial Geek magazine. Head over to SerialGeek.com to buy the glossy magazine dedicated to the cartoons of the 80s, like He-Man, She-Ra, Transformers, Thundercats, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, etc, etc. Hey guys, I'm Rob Bass from Not Mitten Box, and you're with Chris Vince and Alan Price, and this is... Operation Retroshock, only on the Pop Culture Network. You're counting on the winged Avenger to deliver you from evil, aren't you, my friend? Are you going to kill me? Maybe, maybe not. You can say we're of two minds on the subject. <laughs> You're a gambling man. What say we flip for it? One man is born a hero, his brother a coward. Maybe starved, politicians grow fat. Holy men are martyred, and junkies grow legion. Why? 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 Luck! Blind, stupid, simple, doodah, clueless luck! <laughs> the red of toss. Let's see what justice has in store for you. (laughs) It's like the touch of God. Wait, wait, wait. Fortune smiles. Another day of wine and roses. In your case, beer and pizza. What's up, folks? You are listening to Operation Retro Shock with crazy cool Chris Vent and awfully awesome Alan Price. If one of your favorite retro memories happens to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, then by all means, check out Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk on PopCultureNetwork.com. Every week we get reacquainted with old friends from the original Playmates TMNT toy line. Fab Four fans, new and old, won't be sorry for checking it out. That's Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk, and you can only find it on PopCultureNetwork.com. (laughs) 
I persuade you to take a sandwich with you, sir? I'll get drive through. Bruce Wayne. In the flesh. I'm gonna need that handbag. Yes. My invention beams any TV signal directly into the human brain. Mind manipulation, tampering with people's brain waves, it just raises too many questions. I'll send you a riddle. The Riddler. I will help you solve the greatest riddle of all. Who is Batman? Let's start this party with a bat! Ow! Your entrance was good. His was bad. The difference? Showmanship. Like the jacket? It keeps me safe when I'm jogging at night. I need a name. Batboy, Nightwing. What's a good sidekick name? All right, train me. Let me be your partner. I want to be close, but you won't let me near. I'm a part of this, whether you like it or not. Hello, and welcome back from the break from Batman Returns to Batman, because he is forever. But we've jumped from Michael Keaton to a different Batman, which... Uh, yes, Michael. <laughs> this is Kit. No, don't do that. I have that, I have that on my phone, which I should really play, but I won't. So, obviously, this is Val Kilmer as Batman, which, um... Yeah, okay. Um, so, Lawrence, 1995, some three years later, um, we suffer Star Wars syndrome here, um, is produced by Tim Burton, um, by, directed by the now famous... No, 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 not famous, infamous. Sorry, famous, infamous, whatever, um, I'm not saying any swear words or anything, uh, Joel Schumacher. Um, what do you remember, um, probably fondly about this film, Lawrence, the first time you saw it? Fondly things about this, I think I went and saw it with my brother on his birthday. So this is the first Batman film I saw at the cinema. Yeah, it would have been because I was only nine when the other one, when Batman Returns came out. So yeah, this has been the first one that I've seen at cinema. So it must would have been one of the probably first few films I had actually seen at the cinema. This was, but um, what I remember is this one was I, I think I got all the action figures for it as well. I remember loads of action figures coming out for this one, mm-hmm. more so like Robin as well. But. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was good. It was uh, fond memories. I don't know if I got many fond memories of this film. I don't know. <laughs> I remember when the competition to go and uh, have tickets to go and see it. And whenever I went down with my cinema tickets for me and a couple of friends, um, they didn't use them in that cinema. So then I had to um, go to wherever I won them and say they would accept them not there, and they give me money instead. But I enjoyed this film. This is. Um, this will probably be like obviously you two really enjoyed Batman Returns whereas for me I really enjoyed Batman Forever um, due to a couple of characters in this but Mr. Price were you of the right age to go and see this film or did you watch it in a friend's house or did you steal somebody's <laughs> VHS or 
anything like that. Stop looking at me like you're going to kill me, please. I should, okay. re- I should reach across this room and punch you square in the face. Then Operation, operation Retroshock would be dead. <laughs> You'd need no, an a, ma- a massive, a massive bang sign would come up in your room. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pow, <laughs> kaboom. Um, well, for me, um, I do enjoy this movie, but not in the same sense as I would have enjoyed, you know, Returns. You know, it's obviously we've got to a point now where it's a lot cornier than the previous two. Yeah. Uh, obviously, because Tim Burton has stepped down, there's still you know a few dark tones here and there. Obviously, you know a bit of influence from him, but the different directors, the key part of this, and uh, obviously we have uh, certain few characters that lighten the tone a lot more. But I remember the trailers coming out a lot. I remember a lot about the trailers. Yes, I'm the same. And the U2 song that was out for it. Yes. I remember and that. There was a kiss from a rose by Seal on this yeah, one as well. Yeah, that was re-released, well. though, wasn't it? You released that. You previously released that song. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, obviously, uh, we've touched on how dark the past two was, or even uh, Alan. Um, this isn't as dark as the previous two, but still, kind of has the Batman feel. Although you may say that um, this may be, in Star Wars terms, people's Return of the Jedi with being corny and stuff mm-hmm. um, even though it has a different um, Batman and Val Kilmer um, it's a really hard question this Alan who's the better Batman between these two Val Kilmer or Michael Keaton I think it is Adam re- West okay Lawrence what about you oh let me finish <laughs> let me finish I think it is reasonable to say that Michael Keaton Keaton even sorry uh, was the far better Batman because I think Michael Keaton had a lot more to do with the character. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a lot more to do because obviously Batman was darker. Whereas Val Kilmer's, I felt Val Kilmer's Bruce Wayne and Batman was very kind of emotionless. Yeah, yeah. You, would, you would see him walking about and like when he's in the circus scene, he's just kind of like staring blankly into the distance. He's very mopey, but yeah. Bruce May- Bruce Wayne wasn't really a mopey character, you know. Like exactly. Bruce Wayne was full no, of life. And crazy. Yeah, like exactly. Played it or, or yeah, like very eccentric. Yeah, or, or driven to get to the goal, and you know, um, conflicted. Obviously, being Batman and Bruce Wayne, but in this, it was just, oh. He's not as bad as, as a certain other person who played Batman, but the only bit of emotion you saw out of him was when, um, you know, when Nicole Kidman kisses him later on, then she says, oh no, I fancy someone else. And it was uh, obviously Bruce Wayne. And then he had a little Batman smile. That's about the only emotion you got out of Al Kilmer in this whole film. <laughs> obviously, I didn't like him. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't show it on. It's understandable. Yeah, well. but for me, yeah, obviously, Kilmer is the weaker of the two Batman. Um, you've had Batman. You've obviously had like a really good guy in um, uh, portraying Bruce Wayne and Batman and doing that exceptionally well. And Batman and Batman returns, and then Val Kilmer comes in and kind of just all the hard work is almost like near enough gone, you know. Because that's the thing about this film is that it, for me, it is not remembered for Batman. It's remembered for two other characters, who Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones play in this film. Um, Lawrence, for you, did these two really capture the essence of the characters that they were portraying? And also, do you think that these these two were the best things about this film? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, simple as that. No, I think Jim Carrey was great as the Riddler. Tommy mm-hmm. Lee Jones at the start of the film was brilliant as, as Two-Face and Harvey Dent. 
But then by the end of the film, Tommy Lee Jones is playing second fiddle to the Riddler, and he's just a dude standing in the background. <laughs> it, uh, when, you know, when the Riddler's doing that big speech, it's just Tommy Lee Jones just standing there with his, with his arms folded, just doing nothing. It's I uh, just no. Jim Carrey's great in this, but Tommy Lee Jones for me is not good in this film at all. No, I couldn't agree more. I lo- one of the main reasons I love this film is because of how it starts. Just Two-Face standing there in the bank over the guard and not originally seeing that it is in fact Two-Face because the way the camera's lined up to him, you just see the normal side of his face and then you see him bend down with the coin, you know, what's your luck going to be there? Is it going to be like another day of like pizza and stuff, you know, beer and pizza? And you just see the camera pan around and you see his face. That's the sort of speech and character you should expect from Two-Face. Mm-hmm. And going to Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey played the, a blinder with this character because yeah. obviously you really see how Riddler comes together with him starting in uh, in Enterprises with his invention and all that sort of stuff. But um, it really is weird the way Jim Carrey just comes in <coughs> And sadly, Two-Face is so thrown to the side. It's a case of, as well, at the end, the way Two-Face dies I is just, really... It's just like, oh. all right, what do we do? It's just like, all oh, right, what do we do with him? <laughs> yeah, it's like really pathetic. It's like, throw a lot of coins in. Batman just happens to have a new Where's utility his belt. Where's his pockets? Apart- sp- I know, but how can the utility belt have that much space for that many coins? It's like a woman's handbag. It just goes on forever. Um, it's, 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 it's like two different films, though, this film is. It's like the Two-Face film at the start. And it seems like that was the start of it with Tim Burton's sort of influence at the start. Yeah. And then by the end of it, it just forgets about Tim Burton and turns into this neon-lit... <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did enjoy, obviously, Jim Carrey's performance in this was just fantastic and for me this is probably one of Jim Carrey's best performances you know obviously Jim Carrey is a comedy actor and he does have a certain comedy feel in this but it's just um, Tommy Jones is a great actor but unfortunately he was lost in this you know like you may as well have just said right we'll pay X amount go and stand there in the corner and every so often We'll get you to say something, and or flip a coin, or <laughs> yeah, exactly, like exactly. Maybe they flipped a coin and again. That's another point towards him just being in the background, because when they go to Wayne Manor later on, and uh, are you know sneaking because oh, they're trick or treat, yeah. You know, Joker's off running around blowing up the Bat Cave, and Two Face just sitting there. Riddler, you mean? Sorry, yeah, Riddler. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say Joker is dead. Yeah, mouth work. <laughs> You know, Riddler's off with his, you know, wee, like, bombs, and he's still yeah. in the Batmobile and all. I and hate that two- scene. <laughs> Two-Face is beating up an old man. <laughs> well, and Two-Face is sitting on the sofa with his coin, and just waiting to, for it to land the right way so he can go off and shoot someone, and then he just shoots Wayne, and that is the only thing he does in that scene. He's like, you know, I can't remember the guy's name, but it's like the Joker's goon in the first Batman film. Bob. Bob, yeah, Bob. Bob. He turns into Bob. Basically, uh, halfway through this film, he turns into Bob. Isn't he? Just, just, he's, he's, I just don't like. He's not very good in this film, is he? But halfway through it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, okay. As a result of Two Faces' actions, we meet Dick Head. I mean, Dick Grayson, who later becomes Robin. <laughs> I was looking at me with a worried look. Typical question, Lawrence. How annoying was Robin? That's not what the question is. I'm not getting into that. <laughs> I'm changing it. I think he's very annoying in this film. Just a whiny little kid. I know his parents have died, so fair enough. But stop whinging and stop. <laughs> stop, stop whining. <laughs> stop whining. 
It's, it's, he just whines. He's, oh, I mean, and he doesn't play up on the fact that his parents have died. He just whinges. You know, he should. He's not believable as Robin, is he? Really? No. It's, just, it's a character that we didn't really need to see for obvious reasons, and I think this is one of the reasons why the film just went towards the end. It's just like. What does he say? Like, holy rock, Batman? Or holy... No, 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 no. Holy rusted... Well, it's, it's the dialogue of that bit. It's holy rusted metal, Batman. And then Val Kilmer goes, Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's really metal. like Val Kilmer doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, goes, it's, it's metal. It's holy. And he goes, Oh. So the dialogue for Batman there is, Huh? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. It's like, yeah, I can't be bothered. Huh? <laughs> Batman going, Huh? <laughs> for me it really is a case of uh, he is so so whiny and it's the opposite of what you would expect someone to be if their blooming parents had died or a superhero at that as yeah. well you know you see, all you see is you know he's up and he throws the bomb out of the circus and it rolls down and explodes and you just see him looking down through the hole and his you know family's lying on the ground and there's just you know, like his mouth's open like oh right you know and then he yeah, arrives he Sorry? didn't have to play off the emotionless Val Kilmer in this film. Well, <laughs> yeah. He kind of had Anakin Skywalker syndrome as well, didn't he? In this whinging. <laughs> I want to be a Jedi. I want to be Robin. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play. Let me play, Bruce. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like a whiny little... It's just like, you have Val Kilmer, he just drains, like... The life and soul, like, I don't know how Jim Carrey had so much enthusiasm or how much passion in this film whenever you have Val Kilmer, it's just like... getting paid a lot of money. It's just like, yes, Riddler, that is not a good idea, is it? You've been taking (laughs) I don't think there's something that more that could send you to sleep than Bruce Wayne, Val Kilmer as Bruce Wayne, trying to explain one of the Riddler's actual riddles. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that that was throwback to the old to the old Adam West stuff, though, wasn't it? Really? Yeah. Um, obviously, we have a very superhero moment that Bruce contemplates retiring as Batman and trying to leave a normal life. Alan, um, unfortunately, um, he did obviously, you know, retire yes. as Batman and just go like, I don't have this this trick for this. Uh, but does love conquer all? Well, yes and no. Um, Way to sit in the fence there. (laughs) Again, you have to say, uh, Val Kilmer sucking the life out of Batman in the sense of, oh, I don't, I don't think I can go on. You know, I can't, I can't cope. You know, it's just a case of, right, Batman's meant to have faced, in my opinion, far worse enemies than Riddler and Two Face. The Riddler and Two Face we see in this movie. Uh Um, You know, he's faced Jack Nicholson's Joker. And the penguin and all by this stage, and you know if you can consider it in a chronological sort of format, um, and he's just like all of a sudden, oh my Batmobile got blew up, and all that sort of stuff. Eventually, you know I'm gonna just pack it all in. Maybe he can claim off the insurance. Maybe that's what it was. I think he's rich enough to manage. Oh, you never know. You never know. But uh, the that's whole how rich people keep their money, though, isn't it? They wanna, they you know, they grab every penny they can get. Maybe it was because he couldn't claim off the insurance. <laughs> Maybe a good comparison did for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about you, Lawrence? Does Love Conquer All? Yeah. With Nicole Kidman? Yeah. I think it would have been a much more interesting film if it was just uh, Falcon with Nicole Kidman <laughs> getting, getting it on. But, but, no, probably not, actually. It would have been one of the most unemotional love films ever, actually, about Yeah, I think he was pretty crap in that at first sight. Remember, yeah. there was the one where he was a blind guy? 
I'll tell you what Val Kilmer's best film best role was when he was um, Doc Holliday in Tombstone I have you seen that or in The Doors he was in The Doors as well he was Jim Morrison I saw yeah yeah that was awesome and he was in Heat but then he was very dry in Heat but yeah I mean he's also my, he's also the, 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 the voice of Kit isn't he in uh, yeah, so yeah. That's, that's what I hinted at earlier yeah. <laughs> that's oh. the per- that is the perfect role for Val Kilmer is yeah. Kit because his computer voice, voice. His yeah voice, because his voice doesn't need to be emotional yeah exactly but I have to say that the other guy who did the original Kit was far better but uh, okay um, Lawrence, the Riddler and Two Face join forces thanks to what does that sound? Nick Matek. Yeah, I was going to say like Nagma attack. Um, also, Lee was said about you said about Tommy Lee Jones, you know, being in the corner near enough. But how good did you feel these two actors played off each other? Specifically, the scene when they first meet. Yes. I mean, it's when the Riddler goes to his base, wasn't it? And half yes. the base is is white, and half the base is like hell. Yeah. Uh, it was okay. It's just. <laughs> I think the thing is, much like I said for the first two films, if you watch them as a kid, you said this is a cool Batman film, but you won't get a lot of the stuff. This, this, but then when you watch it now when you're an adult, you'll appreciate the first two films a lot more. With this one, it's more like you watch it when you're a kid, you're like, this is awesome, look at that base, it's, it's half white and half like hell, this is amazing. Yeah. And then when you watch it as an adult, you're like, oh. No, this, isn't, this isn't Batman, this is, this is nearly like the 1960s TV show. But, um,. I don't know. It, I think they played off each other well, but like like we've already said, by the end of the film, it's just Tommy Lee Jones. I hate that bit when they're doing the battleships thing. Oh yes, I know. Yes, I know the bit you mean. I know the bit you mean. For me, it's again the scene is good for the fact of uh, it's the first time we see Jim Carrey's Riddler in full costume and outfit, and you know he's really just going full blow. And of course, his Riddler's cane, his metal cane, and how Jim Carrey managed to twirl that thing and not kill somebody on set is unimaginable <laughs> to me. I think I did hear at some stage he did wreck himself in some way, like hitting himself or got caught or something. Uh, I don't know where exactly. Um, <laughs> not to you, Batman. <laughs> but uh, it would have been pretty darn sore. But uh, it is again. You know, this was. I think this was probably the key point in the film where we saw it turn to Two Face becoming, you know, the background guy. And it's a bit of a shame when you watch it back. Yeah, um, I liked whenever they were actually, you know. I remember a scene where her Riddler says something and Tommy Lee Jones like goes <gasps> and puts his hand over his mouth and it's just like, Why are you doing that? You know, like but I think they sparked off each other well, but um, um obviously we were talking about saying like would this be people's return of the Jedi? Alan, for you was it moral in this very Star Wars as in the good and the bad when Bruce is trying to tell Dick not to go out for revenge because it'll only make things worse and you know like that leads to the dark side not the dark side Batman wise but you get what I'm saying you get what I'm saying you see what I'm saying yeah It's a case of uh, it's not so not so good in the fact that uh, can you hear me now, Lawrence? Yeah, that's no, okay. <laughs> Don't worry, it's okay. <laughs> um, the fact that uh, the morals were played on and played on by because Bruce was really whingy about it. 
Bruce was really whingy about it, saying, Oh, look, my parents died as well. I I don't look, look how I turned out. I don't think he would have said it without passion. Why did he tell him that at the start? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've got to say, right, you know when Robin falls down into the back cave? Yeah. yeah. He's going, intruder alert, intruder alert. Why does the back cave become active? Mm. Do you know what I mean? All the, the car comes out and the lights turn on, all the computers turn on. <laughs> oh, yeah, so an intruder, here's what I have done here for you! Why does it all turn off and just go into a cave? Yeah. <laughs> I, never <laughs> thought, <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> I never thought of that. But yeah, I would agree that, obviously as Lauren said, this is more, you know, the first two were very dark and very adult driven, whereas this was more for the children, so I think they had to put it in, you know, like, hey kids, you know, like it's very Master Universal, like, in today's story we saw that going out for revenge never paid dividends, so just don't do that, and stay in school and don't take drugs, okay, bye bye. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Lawrence, with all the, you know, morality tales and Bruce Wayne trying to be almost, um, you know, whiter than white, it would seem? Bruce Wayne should have told uh, Dick that his parents were killed when he first met him and I know how you're feeling, I can help you get through this rather than just telling him no all the time like a little kid, bad father. No, you're not allowed to do that. Makes <laughs> him want to do more, no, put that down, put that yeah. down, get out of there! Makes him want to do it more, so, you know, if you just told him that at the start, it would have been fine. Alfred doesn't help the situation either. I don't understand this next question, if I'm honest, Alan. Against Bruce's wishes, Alfred helps Dick... No, 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 wait, 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 I'll explain it better, I'll explain it better. <laughs> Alright, okay, well, saw me then. I'll just, go, I'll just go away here. As was mentioned there, Alfred is very much the... more of a father figure to Dick than what Batman is. You know, Bruce is, yes, Bruce has explained about don't do that and all that sort of stuff. But Alfred is going at uh, this sounds wrong, going at Dick from a different direction. <laughs> He's going at him from a more laid back sort of opinion, just putting a word in here and there and trying to Putting a word into Dick. Wise up now you're just playing off it too much there. Well playing off Dick. <laughs> but you hear uh, you hear Alfred talking to him about uh, you know, robins have their day, robins fly, all that sort of stuff. <sighs> yes, it's a bit corny, but it's a lot better than just being told stop whining. It's a more, <laughs> it's a more sensible approach in my Stop opinion. whining. But of course, uh, Alfred is the one. <laughs> Alfred is the one that uh, helps Dick, so to say, um, join with Batman when Batman's going off for the finale. Um, ah. Obviously, kind of, Lawrence, you mentioned this. Uh, what did we think of the eventual union of uh, Robin and Batman coming together and the whole random appearance of a bat plane and a bat boat? Um, it was okay. It was, well, it was bound to happen, obviously, because Robin's in the film, but a bit of a letdown, really. The whole end scene of this film was just not very good, was it? They, the whole thing where they, like Batman put the sonar thingy on, wasn't it? And while Robin has been caught. So Robin was pretty much useless, didn't do anything, got caught straight away, so then he's a, he's a, what's the word I'm looking for? He's a, he's inconvenient, oh no, what's the word I'm looking for here? I can't think, anyway, yeah, well, Robin, <laughs> he's useless and just a pain in the ass, isn't he, really? <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, just, uh, this film, for me, started off great, by the end of this film, I'm sick of it, just that whole scene when they're going along on the um, the bat plane and the bat boat's going and they do the, the battleships thing just turned into a little kids film and probably when I was a little kid though it was brilliant 
The one thing I remember loving about this part of the movie was not uh, obviously when they reached the likes of the Nikmatek Island or anything like that, but as a kid watching it when the bat plane is. Uh, when you see Commissioner Gordon on top of the police building with the yeah. bat sign, and he's you know getting really down you know in the dumps and he's depressed, saying oh he isn't coming, you know get ready to turn it off, and the guy goes to turn it off, and he, you just hear the kind of like roar of a plane engine in the sky, and he says wait a minute, yeah. wait a minute, and then you see the bat plane just shoot through the actual signal and blow the you know thing apart, so to say. I thought that was cool, but then was just, cool. but then just the eventual you know. Uh, Battleship playing off it is rather awful because how how could have joke uh, how could have Riddler even sorry um, managed to put a whole pile of mines in flipping Gotham's water system you know it just becomes so it starts off so dark like the bit when Enigma ties up his boss onto the seat and puts yeah him, yeah you know, really dark very much like the other films and then it turns does turn into a it starts turning into Batman and Robin basically yeah okay. that's what it starts doing. Because this, I think this is probably what we're saying is, you know, with Kid hammering on, hammering on, that the start of the movie was dark and very Tim Burton. It's obviously a case of, I think, Joel Schumacher's creativity came into this at a late, late stage. Or no yeah. creativity, really. You know, well, yeah, his mind and, so to speak, his way <laughs> of wanting this movie to go. So my kids playing battles, yes, put that in there. Yeah, it was probably something like that that Bloomin' inspired him to do it. But you can see it is, like Lauren says, it's transforming in to Batman and Robin and the eventual death of this line of the series is you know okay. well on, well on the way okay I Lawrence I, I, I definitely think Burton had the, had, had it at the start and you know, obviously he didn't they don't say it but I think he really did have have the reins of it at the start and then the studios might have come in and said no you know you can't make another dark Batman film we've got to turn it a little bit Batman and Robin-esque and obviously that was a bad idea yeah. Then maybe it was a good idea because we got the Batman Begins in a Dark Knight, really, wasn't it? Yeah, true. So, Lawrence, um, out of six, then, how would you rank this? And let's see if it matches up with Alan. What have you wrote down? Oh, you changed yours. Alan had four, and I had well, five. Well, halfway through speaking this, I decided to change it to five. I've got it as a three. So, what was your Lawrence? Was yours a five as well? Five. Yeah, we're on roll. We're on a roll. Oh, gee, I don't know how you're going to get the other one if the. Lawrence could say that this is his favourite one, the next one. I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm worried he could, but uh, everybody will have to wait. Yeah. Um. Obviously, you'll have this, to wait this until is, this. This could possibly be the most negative next 30 minutes ever on the history of Operation Retroshock. It could be, but unfortunately, you're going to have to tune in next week to find that out. We're not going to end on a low. We're going to end on a mediocre oh, yeah. Batman. Batman, you know, and then we're going to go Batman and Robin. And I have as much passion for this here as Val Kilmer has for acting, but uh, join us again next week for Batman and Robin. Oh, great. <laughs> Until then, I'm Alan Price. I'm Chris Vint. And Batman, you say, and who are you, by the way, on the other end of the telephone? Lawrence Case. <laughs> and tune in next week for more Batman Bonanza. Batman Bonanza.